Hello there, Lafayette. This is Joe Cunningham here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542 if you want to be part of the conversation. And it is an action-packed, chaotic day in Washington, D.C. Gotta love it. Um, I, I have to be honest with y'all. Some of you may know this. Um, I cannot be unbiased when it comes to the subject of Kevin McCarthy. Not that you guys listen for my unbiased takes, but uh, this is not necessarily a station where you go for the unbiased all the time. But I do try to be fair and, and more analytical than emotional. But in the case of Kevin McCarthy, it is it is very difficult for me to uh, to be as fair as possible. I do not like the guy. He is an unprincipled uh, la- uh, professional ladder climber who is as much as the as there are good conservatives who say we need to unify, we need to uh, put our support behind McCarthy, we have to be a unified caucus going forward. Kevin McCarthy has never gotten he, he's never gotten an appropriations bill through the House without Democrat votes. He always goes to the Democrats for votes to get his agenda items through. And he's going to continue to do that. So when Clay Higgins announces earlier today that for the sake of party unity, he's going to support Kevin McCarthy, that's fine, except for the fact that you need Kevin McCarthy a lot more than he needs you. And the fact that there have now been two votes with a third coming where the same 19 people have refused to back down. Remember, it was five as of like a week or two ago. It was five people. And then yesterday, I saw the number, wrote about the number. It was up to 14 people. And now today, as many as 20, 19 solid people stood up to Kevin McCarthy. Now, there are accusations, some of which are founded. They are more interested in getting concessions and getting uh, committee spots and things like that than actually standing up for conservative ideals. That may be the case for some of them. But Chip Roy is not a guy who's looking for handouts from McCarthy. And McCarthy actually said in the backroom meetings today, we know this because there are people that were feeding this information out, McCarthy actually told Chip Roy, if you're voting against me, you're voting against the party in the country. If there's anything to make Chip Roy more likely to not give any ground in this, it would be that. Because that's the exact same thing the Democrats have been saying for years now, that the uh, that they're saying the Republican Party is a threat to democracy, they're a threat to the country, and Kevin McCarthy and all the Republicans have been saying this is dangerous rhetoric, things like that. And then they turn around and use that in order to try to browbeat and guilt conservative holdouts into supporting McCarthy. McCarthy and his allies have already told those uh, dis- uh, dissidents, if you don't vote for me, you're not getting committee spots. They're being blackmailed. They're trying, they're, they're trying to intimidate those conservatives into voting for McCarthy. We've now had two votes where it's not happened. See, here's the thing about Kevin McCarthy, and here's what really bothers me. Now, I'm a millennial. Keep in mind, I am a millennial. I do admit it. It's not something I'm proud of, but I can't control it. I am a millennial. So I know what entitlement looks like because I have an entire generation and younger around me that walks the walk on it. Kevin McCarthy is treating the speakership like he's entitled to it. 
his allies in Congress are saying, oh, he's worked for it. He's he has not done a day's work actually earning the speakership. Kevin McCarthy is not somebody who is there to move the ball forward for the Republican Party or for conservatism. Kevin McCarthy is a guy who is there to increase the power and influence of Kevin McCarthy. And if you don't believe me, go talk to some people at the top of the California GOP. Because they will tell you that there have been good conservatives who were pushed out of the way in favor of McCarthy's allies because he wanted to secure his spot as the top Republican from California. Kevin McCarthy does not have an ideological bone in his body, much less a backbone. If he has something he wants to get through Congress, he has no qualms about turning away from the conservatives and turning toward the Democrats to get it. Just like John Boehner did. And to sit here now and to claim that the most conservative, most Republican, most for-the-country thing you could do to make America great again is to vote Kevin McCarthy is to be an absolute coward. And that's what the people supporting Kevin McCarthy are pushing when they are saying that what you need to do is go out and support Kevin McCarthy for the sake of party and country. You're lying. You're being a coward. So... Keep all of that in mind as I go through today, knowing full well that I'm going to make fun of Kevin McCarthy and I'm going to mock the fact that he did not get it in the first two ballots. When he and all of his allies thought, you know, they're just they're they're going to make their votes against me now. They're going to get it out of their system. Then they're going to cave on the second one. And they didn't budge at all. And they may not budge in the third. And you know what's going to happen? You've been defeated twice. And let's not forget, this isn't his first time to run for speaker. And he was chased away from it before it even got to the first ballot seven years ago. Because of rumors and some things going on in the background. McCarthy has never been able to convince people to vote for him for speaker. And they went before the speaker vote seven years ago, before the Republicans took the House under Donald Trump, and they picked Paul Ryan and told Kevin McCarthy, don't even try. You see, here's the thing. A lot of the folks out there, including good conservatives like Mark Levin, like Dana Lash, like a lot of these other talking heads out there. Thankfully, not Dan Bongino, but a lot of these others are out there saying, well, these these Republicans didn't have a plan. It's all a poop show for you know, what I can get away with saying due to FC, FEC rules or FCC rules. Um, you didn't have a plan. You didn't have a replacement. They didn't have that seven years ago either. There was no plan seven years ago. There was no, hey, let's all rally around Paul Ryan. No, it's a, hey, Kevin McCarthy's not the right guy. There's this sin, this sin, this sin, and this sin. This can't happen. And so the rest of the Republican establishment walked over to Paul Ryan's office and said, look, we got a problem. And Paul Ryan said, fine, okay. And you know what happened there? The Trump tax cuts. A good Republican policy got through, a good conservative policy got through because they rejected Kevin McCarthy. They they rejected a career ladder climber. And something conservative managed to get through. Now they're at that same point again. They don't have to have somebody right away. They don't have to have Andy Biggs or Jim Jordan or Lee Zeldin or any of these other folks ready to go today. All they need to do is stand firm and say, hey, look, McCarthy, you ain't got it. 
And eventually McCarthy may learn, and he may walk away with his tail tucked between his legs, but he really, really thinks he's entitled to this job, that he, he thinks he's paid his dues when he hasn't done a thing. Keep in mind, while Kevin McCarthy has been the leader of the Republican Party, the Republican Party keeps losing, just like Ronna McDaniel in the, uh, as the RNC chair. With this kind of leadership, Republicans keep losing. Kevin McCarthy was hands-off in 2020, had no say, did nothing to try to recruit good candidates, did nothing to try to help the candidates that were out there. He was very hands-off because he didn't want to make anybody mad because whoever came in, he was going to need their support. And what if he backed somebody who then wasn't going to win? Or what if he backed somebody and the other person won? Well, that's another Republican who wouldn't be formed because he backed his opponent. He couldn't do that. He stayed behind the scenes. He stayed quiet. He stayed out of it. Kevin McCarthy is a principle-less coward. And I'm glad that there's 19 Republicans who are flat out saying no. And I hope it continues. For some of them, I know that it could very well be a grift. It could very well be a clown show. They could very well be uh, doing all the political theater right now. But now Kevin McCarthy has suffered his third defeat for speaker, about to go into his fourth with his third ballot. All the conservatives have to do is hold the line. There are now reports coming out of the cloakrooms in Washington, D.C., which, by the way, would be a whole lot cooler if they actually wore cloaks. But there are whispers coming from the cloakrooms right now that the number against McCarthy will only grow in the third vote. And there are other whispers that came out today from folks that I know and trust who have heard that all the conservatives need to do is get through the third ballot. And that's when a Steve Scalise or that's when a Jim Jordan, that's where some other compromised candidate will come forward. Kevin McCarthy said he's not backing away, but at some point, once you've been defeated twice and the number and, and nobody switched to your side, that's a sign. And when this is the second time you've been up for speaker and you've had people within your own party able to block you from getting there, that should be a sign. But he truly believes that it's his job, that he's entitled to it because he's been there, he's served his time, he's paid his dues, whatever. He is a political ladder climber, always has been, has no principle, has no ideology, except for Kevin McCarthy. So the fact of the matter is, when you have 19 Republicans who can stand up unwaveringly and say, I'm not voting for you, and your response is, well, I'm not going to give you committee assignments, or you're voting against the country when you do this, all you're doing is solidifying them because now you're playing by the Democrats' rules. By turning the same rhetoric around on them, doing the same things that they would do, you are showing that your opponents are right, that you're no better than the other side. Now, yes, Matt Gates is stupid for saying he would rather vote for Hakeem Jeffries and uh, Kevin McCarthy and saying that Kevin McCarthy and Hakeem Jeffries are the same thing. That is completely absurd. But the underlying sentiment that McCarthy and Hakeem Jeffries are both unacceptable is correct. 
And I hope those Republicans hold that line. And let me tell you this, because I know there are some people out there who are saying that this is all theater, that it's all a done deal, and this is all a show, and this is all a grift. And you know what? That's fine, because the longer it takes for them to get to a speaker, the less time Congress has to actually screw over you and me. For the first time in more than a century, a speaker hasn't won on the first ballot. Do you know what happened a century ago? In 1913, over a century ago, in 1913, it took 133 ballots in two months. That would be two months that we don't have to worry about Joe Biden's agenda because there is no speaker of the House and there's nothing that the House would actually be able to get done. I would be perfectly fine with two years for looking for a speaker. Yes, it creates all sort of legal and constitutional mayhem, but at this point, I don't care. Not Kevin McCarthy, not Hakeem Jeffries, frankly, not Congress working at all might be better for all of us. 232-1542. You can also send a message through the KPL app chat. We're going to take a break and come right back here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPL. All right, welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show. Again, 232-1542 if you want to be part of the conversation. Okay, so I got the rant out of the way. Let's talk actually what's happening now. So the House is, let me double-check Twitter just to make sure. Uh, Right now we're looking at... uh, A third vote is underway. Uh, The first break from McCarthy, Representative Brian Donalds, who voted for McCarthy on the first two ballots, voted for Jim uh, Jordan on the third. So that goes along with the the 19 who voted against Kevin McCarthy in the first two rounds. And again, uh, those 19, let me pull it up real quick. Andy Biggs, Dan Bishop, Lauren Boebert, Josh Breachin, Breachin? I'm not sure. Mike Cloud, Andrew Clyde, Eli Crane, Matt Gates, Bob Good, Paul Gosar, Andy Harris, Anna Paulina Luna, Mary Miller, Ralph Norman, Andy Ogles, Scott Perry, Matt Rosendale, Chip Roy, and Keith Self. So those are the 19, and now you have a break. Uh, Representative Byron Donalds joins those 19, so now 20 votes against Kevin McCarthy, and we're still going. Um, Right now, uh, let's see. I mentioned... uh, Yeah, I mentioned earlier, Dana Lash is one of those voices. She actually has a piece out right now. She just wrote it up at, at her Substack, the House Speaker Fight Theater. And I know that some folks are are unhappy because there's no plan, there's no organized fight or anything like that. This isn't that that's not what this is about. This is about standing up to an entitled, unprincipled jerk who has used his power and abused his power to elbow his way to the top, and he thinks that he's he deserves it. And that's not the case. After this vote, when he does not have the votes he needs. Hopefully a compromised candidate like a Steve Scalise, like Jim Jordan, comes forward and the Republicans can can make some headway in this. All right, 232-1542, uh, the KPL app chat. If you want to reach out, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back after this news break. 
All right, welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show, 232-1542. If you want to be part of the conversation, you can also send a message through the KPL app chat. Uh, so Randall reaches out through the app. Uh, the problem I see with multiple rounds of voting for Speaker is the more that walk away from McCarthy, the closer it comes to a Democrat getting the majority. I'm not so sure there. And I understand your point, Randall, uh, but here's the thing. Right now, Everybody, you know, everybody gets sworn into office today. All their families are there. The Democrats are already getting bored with the Republican clown show, they're they're calling it. And they have their families, they have their kids there. They want to get on with their lives. You know, we're in the third round of voting now. If this goes on too much longer, the Democrats will start not just voting present, but will actually walk away. And they will not be present, which actually benefits Kevin McCarthy. See, under the rules, you have to have 50 percent plus one of the vote in order to become speaker. If everybody is there, that means you need 218 votes. But if Democrats start not being present for that, that number goes down. Now, it may not go down quickly enough. It may not go down fast enough for McCarthy to be able to overcome the now 20 votes that are lined up against him. But he still manages to walk away with the speakership. The problem is going to be not necessarily that the Democrats get the majority. The fact of the matter is Kevin McCarthy, as I said earlier, is more willing to work with Democrats than he is conservatives if it means his his item, his agenda items get through. And so you'll actually see in Washington, my fears, what you'll see in Washington, D.C. is what we see here in Louisiana. The Democrats that supported the speaker will end up getting positions of power on those committees that Republicans really need the numbers for. And that's going to present a problem for the conservatives. But I really think that Based on what I've heard after this third ballot, which is underway, a compromise candidate is going to come forward. And that is going to pose a problem for Kevin McCarthy because it's going to come from either Jim Jordan or Steve Scalise, more than likely, both of whom have stated publicly they support. Kevin McCarthy. But right now, Kevin McCarthy can't win. If all 19 stand their ground and more are joining the opposition, then pretty soon what you're going to have is not Kevin McCarthy. The betting odds have actually gone up In Steve Scalise and Jim Jordan's favor. (laughs) I'm sorry. Uh, So Kevin McCarthy, the odds, of, according to one betting site somebody posted on Twitter, uh, the odds have gone down uh, significantly for Kevin McCarthy, and the odds for Steve Scalise, Jim Jordan, and Donald Trump have all gone up. (laughs) Donald Trump's not going to be the speaker. It would be hilarious, but Donald Trump's not going to be the speaker. Interestingly, Elise Stefanik, his, her odds have also gone down. She's also in Republican leadership. And nobody's really talked about her as a compromise candidate. And part of that is because she's even more of a flip-flopper than Kevin McCarthy is. Elise Stefanik became a huge Trump ally, but 
not long before that, she was highly critical of Trump. But she flip-flopped in order to get the power. And she's from New York, New York and California. These flip-flopping, uh, principalist politicians seem to be coming from some of the most liberal states in the country. Hmm. Wonder if there's something to that. Anyway, didn't intend to come back uh, talking about this right out the gate. But, uh, again, Randall reached out through the app, so I wanted to to address that. All right. So, you know what? I, I don't. I don't really have much more to say on Damar Hamlin than has already been said. I was on the the morning show with with Brandon today, and we talked about that a good deal. Uh, it was very scary to watch live, and uh, to see the replay of it. I mean, he got hit hard in the chest, and that you know caused what we now know as a heart a cardiac arrest. Uh, but to see him stand up, wobble a bit, fall down was just terrifying. Uh, so prayers go out to him. I think it's great that his toy drive, this charity that he's organized, went from raising a little bit of money to raising millions. I think that is uh, that says phenomenal things about the American giving spirit. At a time when we seem awfully divided and awfully kind of misanthropic about America itself. I want to get into, and I... This is this is something I wasn't sure I wanted to get into because of the nature of the story. On Truth Social over the weekend, Donald Trump posted the following. It wasn't my fault that the Republicans didn't live up to expectations in the midterms. I was 223 uh, 233 to 20. It was the abortion issue poorly handled by many Republicans, especially those that firmly insisted on no exceptions, even in the case of rape, incest, or life of the mother, that lost, that lost large number of voters. Also, the people that pushed so hard for decades against abortion got their wish from the U.S. Supreme Court and just plain disappeared, not to be seen again. Plus, Mitch stupid dollars. I have two problems with this. The first is that abortion played a bigger issue than anybody really anticipated. Even the Democrats who said it was going to be an issue, they didn't expect it to be as big of an issue it was. However, that's not, again, looking at the data, that's not what the data shows from Election Day. And he can say 233 to 20, but that is not taking into account. That takes into account things that should not be like unopposed races, like uh, extremely safe Republican districts, like the fact that Ohio, his endorsed candidate, ran several points behind other statewide Republicans. And it should also be noted that in Ohio, they passed some of the toughest abortion laws in the country. It doesn't take into account Georgia, where every Democrat said they could win the state back because of Georgia's fetal heartbeat law. And Republicans across the state, save one, did way better than last time before that bill was passed. There's a lot of data that suggests abortion helped rally Republicans just as it helped rally Democrats. But he's attacking Republicans who believe that abortion should be eliminated, which I know is many of you out there. And he's attacking 
the no exceptions, even in the case of rape, incest, or life of the mother, like we just passed here in Louisiana. That one of our own representatives was a huge champion for, Julie Emerson. This statement, strategically, was a mistake for Donald Trump, and here's why. Probably the most powerful group in Donald Trump's base in 2016 and 2020 was the evangelical conservative movement. And that is the very group of people that he's attacking it with this post. And, and you can make the argument he's talking about the politicians. He's talking about Lindsey Graham and his federal uh, abortion ban law, which I think was a mistake. But the fact of the matter is those laws, those policies don't get put forward if not for the evangelical conservatives out there pushing for their politicians to write those laws and try to pass them. To blame the abortion issue for what happened in November is not only incorrect, but it's an attack on his loudest and most vocal base. And I really think it's a, it's a strategic mistake. But at this point, he is back into his campaign mode, which is attack everything that moves. If it is not for him, it is against him and he must attack it. And it is undisciplined messaging. And if he wants a shot in 2024, he's got to be smarter about it. But I'm not sure that he is capable of being smarter about it, especially if his own staff is filled with people that will let him have dinner with somebody like Nick Fuentes. There is a reason that he, his campaign has done essentially nothing other than him tweet, uh, send out uh, messages on Truth Social. He doesn't really have a campaign organization right now, and we're in 2023. In the next few months, you're going to see other people start making really overt moves to run for president. And they're going to have a campaign apparatus. They're going to have organization. They're going to have disciplined messaging, and he's going to get drowned out because a lot of them have figured out by now the best way to challenge Trump is to not respond to Trump. Do not give him the air. Drain all the oxygen from the room when he's around. And so that's the strategy that they're going to go with. The ones who really want to win are. Now, there are some who are going to be dumb enough to actually try to get in the mud and fight with Donald Trump, and they're going to be the ones who are eliminated the quickest. But this is a really, for lack of a better word, silly move by Donald Trump because he is blaming the number one issue to a lot of his base for the Republicans losing. Because here's the thing that a lot of those evangelicals will say. We lost the Senate. We didn't get the gains that we wanted in the House. But Roe versus Wade got overturned. Every one of those evangelicals will say, if that's the case, good. They'll take that. They will take losing a seat in the Senate and not getting as much 
accomplish in the House as they want to if, on the flip side, Roe versus Wade was overturned. And that's exactly what happened. So to attack that mentality is to attack that portion of his base. It is a very silly move, and I think he is going to ultimately regret that. All right, 232-1542. Let's go ahead and take our final break of the day. When we come back, of course, your calls, your messages on the KPL app and more here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5 KPL. 232-1542. If you want to be part of the program, uh, got a little time left, of course. You can also reach out through the KPL app chat. So before we go, there is one other thing I wanted to mention. It's starting. It actually started a little while ago, but it's it's really starting now. The press is starting to fret over Ron DeSantis. There is a story at Vanity Fair, a comprehensive guide to why a Ron DeSantis presidency would be as terrifying as a Trump one. That's the most mild case of this. And what is this? This is the press moving on and picking the next person to be worse than the last person. And this has been happening pretty consistently since Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan was this conservative, roguish outsider who came in uh, while the much more moderate George H.W. Bush was beaten, but eventually became his vice president. Uh, Then all of a sudden... uh, the press turned on George H.W. Bush as essentially being worse than or more dangerous than Ronald Reagan. Uh, then not too long after that, George W. Bush uh, was treated. I mean, the, the Bush family was loved there for a while. And then, they, of course, they turned on him as well. Uh, absolutely just belittled and ridiculed him his entire time in office. And then after that, he became a media celebrity uh, people loved him. He was hanging out with Bill Clinton. They were doing charity work. George a., George W. Bush was was great. Uh, the Bush family has been vocally against Trump. That was great. They loved that. So then you move on, and and they love the maverick John McCain, who stood up to the uh, the evil conservatives, the evil right wingers. He was the maverick. He was against his own party when he needed to be. He was his own man until he ran for president, in which case he became the worst thing ever and possibly Hitler. And then, of course, he was fine after that. And then came Mitt Romney. And Mitt Romney was this mild guy. Hey, he was the architect behind what became known as Obamacare. And then, of course, he ran against Barack Obama. And all of a sudden, he was a racist. He was a bigot. God forbid he was a Mormon, which the press had decided was the most dangerous thing that could happen to us. And they've attacked him. Now he's being rehabilitated because he stood up to Donald Trump. And then Donald Trump came along and and all of a sudden everybody was saying, no, 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 no. This time is for real. We've got a legit racist running for office. And the conservatives were tired of it. And so they picked Donald Trump and Donald Trump won. And now Donald Trump is out of office. Well, they can't really say that they're that Donald Trump is this decent guy now. They still hate him. But they've also decided that Ron DeSantis is more dangerous. And here's why. This is the media's claim. Ron DeSantis is more intelligent. That's what makes him more dangerous. They're going to continue to write these hit pieces. They can't help it. They're going to write these hit pieces because they think Ron DeSantis is the next guy. Is he? I don't know. 
but they're acting like he is, which could very well make him the next guy. All right, that's it for me. 23 hours until we're back here on the Joe Cunningham Show. Hope you guys have a fantastic 2023. In the meantime, follow me on Twitter at Joe P. Cunningham, Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show, and of course, Substack. You can find me, joecunninghamshow.substack.com. Sign up to get my columns emailed to you directly. Show notes when I remember to do it. Of course, I was following the house drama today, so I didn't really get to it in time. Anyway, Shannon is offsides next here on News Talk 96.5 KPL.